and every time I see it, I'm like, the guitar needs to be on fire too, Frank. Like, <laughs> just for continuity, you know? Welcome to Less Than or Equal, the podcast about pursuing equality and geekdom by celebrating the diverse in their accomplishments. I'm your host, Aline Sims, and today I am happy to be joined by Amanda Warner. Amanda, welcome. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's not like we were just talking. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda, who are you? Um, I am the uh, co-founder of Giant Space Cat. I'm also lead animator. I am a geek mom, uh, <laughs> um, Pinterest board owning person. Ah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I uh, animated Revolution 60 and also um, a toddler app that hopefully will be coming out in the fall called Cupcake Crisis. So I got to see Cupcake Price, Prices. I got to see Cupcake Crisis at PAX East when we when was like, I was like, Amanda, will you come on your show? And you're like, yes. And now it's July and you're finally here. But um, <laughs> I imagine that it, it was it was adorable then. And it was it was actually really well put together at that point. And now that you have another few months under your belt, how is it going? Um, it's going good. I mean, I got in under the hood a little bit more since I last saw you, but at the same time, I've also been working on getting, um, Revolution 60 stuff together. Mm. So I've kind of been bouncing back and forth between the two. Um, it's been interesting. Uh, we changed the costumes on the characters. And so that meant that we had to re-render our opening videos and like, the opening videos were the among the very first things that I did when I joined the project. Um, so it was kind of a lesson in one labeling your files and oh no. two, just like how much I've grown. Oh my God. Oh, it was so bad. I was just like, what was I thinking? Inversion <laughs> control. Uh-huh. And just like, where is this file? Why did I set it up like this? Like I had, just come out of school and because we had done a project where like we needed to render something out they were doing a like a batch render for everybody where they would take all the computers when people weren't using them and use that to process the files so you had to set stuff up by shot so when i did it myself for the revolution 60 stuff i set it up by shot and i'm like this is ridiculous so i have like 80 files when really oh no. like it could have just gone cut to cut to cut to cut in one file so yeah um anyway <laughs> it did give me a chance to kind of fix some of that and to um you know address some stuff that like over the years i'm like god i really like really want to fix that foot or like that <laughs> fall it just doesn't feel right at all so it was kind of a mixed blessing, but at the same time, I'm just like, okay, and now I am done. Like, I've put it in the ground. I'm never touching this again. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, I'm not coming back to it. Finished. Yeah. So that that did put um, Cupcake Crisis on hold for a while, just until I could get that squared away. Um, so now I'm trying to learn motion graphics so that I can 
make the uh, make the opening for that and um, do some. I got some more sound work from our voice actress. is super cute, and she always does a good good job. So yeah, like very very soon. It needs a prettier UI before I can put it out there, but very soon. I'm really excited. I mean, I don't I don't have kids and I don't really know any kids in kind of like the target age bracket, but it was it was it's just adorable. It's just adorable. Oh, thank you. I was I was going for cute. You should have you should come out with little sticker packs. I uh I just made a sticker actually. <laughs> um we were we were going to go to a trade show and it got canceled at the last minute, but like I'd already ordered stickers of like this uh vector graphic that i made i was just like yay stickers so i'm just gonna put them up around my apartment i don't know <laughs> just give them to emma to plaster all over everything yeah <laughs> and she will just notebooks full and she will so emma is your daughter how old is she she is three and a half. Oh my gosh and just i i always say like Oh, this age is my favorite age. Oh, this age is my favorite age. But like three and a half, actually, despite the defiance, um, is really a lot of fun because she's like completely interactive now. You know, she has an imagination and she has opinions and she shares them regularly. Um, But like, she's just, it's super cute. Like the things that come out of her mouth sometimes, I'm just like, where did you hear that? (laughs) She's she's fun. She's a lot of fun. Good. And I um I know that something Brianna Wu, your co-founder, talks about a lot is kind of the work-life balance, um, especially for women in the workplace. So you had a lot of change in kind of a short period of time, didn't you? Oh yeah. Becoming the co-founder of Revolution 60, and then Emma followed along like not too shortly after that, right? And then like almost immediately and and then like gaining all of this momentum with um and getting you know shipping revolution 60 that's a lot going on in your life at one time uh yeah i mean i i quit my pre my previous job i quit that um went back to school you know learned how to use maya learn you know some animation um met brie started revolution 60 found out we were pregnant got married and all this happened within the span of like two years um and so yeah i was raising you know like i i was taking care of a newborn and trying to animate at the same time um i we were in the middle of crunch and like i would we had like a little bit of daycare we weren't full-time yet um but, you know, I'd go and pick her up from daycare, give her supper, put her to bed, come back and work um, well into the evening. Did that for a while. Um, it's a little calmer now. Like, I'm, I'm, we're in a better spot where, like, I can pick her up at, you know, I can leave at five and pick her up and spend the rest of the evening with her, with some exceptions. But um, it's, it's a little bit better now. Like, we've got a better flow happening. But um, yeah, like I have stories of of doing animation while I I don't know if this is going to be too much information, but um, I would nurse with her like on a boppy and then my hands would be up over her so I could get at the keyboard and it worked. (laughs) (laughs) And 
I think maybe some working moms out there would be like, I would do that. Like uh-huh. I would have my kid with me all day. Um, it can be, it can be tough sometimes because like when they are older and mobile and want your attention, like you're getting distracted from work and that's when you need, you know, the village to step in and, and help you. But like when they're little, it's doable, or at least I found it doable. When they start crawling and getting into everything. Yeah. Oh my God. A little harder. Yeah. There comes a moment where you're like so excited that they're, they're moving, but then you're like, Oh, oh excuse me. <laughs> no, you're okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Or suddenly like they're mobile and they're not where you put them down. And, um, it can be, it can be a challenge. They're, that's what uh, pack and plays are for, are for. You can just plop them in there and wave at them as you're at the computer, basically. <laughs> Teach yourself to read. I need to work. Yeah, no yeah. big deal. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm I'm so glad. Um, you know, I, I think that we don't have a lot of role models of um, people attaining work-life balance, I guess. Like... I feel like a lot of the people I've talked to have left the industry because, you know, they just, yeah. it was too hard to, to juggle all of that. And of course, you know, the family, their family, their children came first. And I'm glad that, um, that that's something that you were able to do and to find and, you know, that, that it worked for you. Yeah. I mean, it all, it completely depends on the company you're with. I know, um, I know harmonics is pretty supportive of that um some other studios are not and you know they they require kind of a burnham and churnum attitude but if you're lucky enough to land in a place where like that's not the company culture then it can work but it i mean when it comes to crunch time it definitely makes an impact on your family life I mean, I don't know if it's a, if it's a temporary situation, you can do anything for a temporary amount of time. And is it inconvenient? Yeah, sure. But like you're pushing towards, you know, finishing something that you love. So you find ways. It's not ideal for sure, but like you find a way to to get through it. And at the end of it, you're like, okay, maybe that wasn't terrible. <laughs> like I haven't seen my family in a month, but. You know, I'm done and now I get to see them. But we survived. But we survived and, you know, you've been in the trenches with, with your family. I I feel like, I don't know, I don't want to be like, oh, families have it harder. But there there is kind of an added pressure when um, when you have kids because it's not like, I don't know, it's not like having a dog where like they can be home all day. And you can give them a bowl of kibble and it's fine. Mm-hmm. Like you're required by law and you know, and your biology <laughs> to right? take care of this other human morality, ethics, what? <laughs> um, to, you know, to make sure that like they're alive and they're getting fed and, you know, have to go to the doctor, that kind of a thing. So it, it's tough because there's so much of it is outside of your control and it helps if you have somebody that you're working for that understands that and, you know, will be flexible with you on that stuff because your goal isn't to take advantage of them. Your goal is to like do your job, but you just need time to deal with stuff as it comes up. Right. 
Yeah. I, I, I am fortunate in that regard. Like it was actually a pretty ideal setup for me as a first time parent. A lot of people don't get that. Yeah. Yeah. I've often wondered, well, I have a friend who was a teacher um, and had, had a child and like, was trying to nurse um or trying to like pump um while teaching you know and trying to coordinate schedules like with the school district so that they could have an aide in the classroom so that she could you know leave and go to a private area and you know so she could like provide milk to feed her child you know and um Mm -hmm. and and she actually ended up leaving the job because it was so hard to do like people weren't coming to relieve her um and she was missing you know and it's just it's a problem I think it's a problem in every industry um you know because I'm in the tech field and I'm I know so many people in gaming creating games that I'm a little bit more aware of it in those spaces but it's hard it is it is because it's not it it's one of those things like, I don't know, what the human condition, like if you're not personally experiencing it, it's hard to have the empathy. Like if I'm not feeling sad, it's hard for me to understand or, or like I expect somebody else to not be sad too kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not a priority for, you know, a non-nursing mother, it's a, it's an inconvenience, you know, and it, it's like, oh, I'm not trying to be inconvenient here. Like, I'm only going to be able to do this for a short amount of time. Like, you, with Emma, for me, it was six months. Other people go longer. Some people don't make it at all. Um, but, you know, it's such a temporary thing. And it's mm-hmm. like, I just need this extra time. <sighs> like, if somebody had a heart condition and had a special need that they had to take care of every afternoon at three, you know, like you'd make that accommodation and it's, it's the same thing. And I think people maybe need to think of it as like a short-term disability kind of a situation where like temporarily special accommodations must be made um, or, or should be made. And, and, you know, the, the nursing mom would be forever grateful if that was the situation. But yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it is one of those things that is difficult no matter where you go. And I there was a there was an ad campaign that came out recently talking about like, you know, people who breastfeed in public and encouraging them, you know, people will be like, well, go do that in the bathroom. So like the picture will be this woman sitting in a public restroom with like a, a baby on her chest. Yeah. Like, bon appetit. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. Yeah. That's super gross. But I think it's viewed as a, uh, like an optional thing. Like you're choosing to breastfeed. You could have, you know, your child could have formula and, um, I, I kind of feel mm-hmm. like the, it's shifting a little bit as people are more and more people are realizing the, you know, breastfeeding, if you can and, and want to, there are definite benefits to that over, you know, formula feeding. Mm-hmm. There's the convenience trade off. And, you know, I know that it, neither is perfect in our society right now. But um, I, I think that really feeds into it as people are like, well, it's your choice. Like you could formula feed your baby and you wouldn't, you know, need to worry about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. 
I mean, there's so much politics around like moms in general that it, it everybody's got something to say about the way you're doing yeah. things. <laughs> Everyone's a better parent than you. Yes. Yes, everyone knows how to do it better than you. And it's just like, wait, no, no, this is my kid. Like, I know how to, I know what I'm doing. Um, I mean, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know better right. than you. Um, right. So, no, I think the perception for the longest time, like, there was a definite push towards formula. Hi, this is now the breastfeeding podcast. Um, <laughs> That's okay. It's important to talk about, I think. Yeah. Sure. Um, you know, the, for the longest time, there was a push towards formula. Like it was the scientific thing to do. Um, I think in my, you know, in the previous generation, like they used to give people shots to keep them from lactating because, you know, formula was science and it was the way to go and it was, you know, way healthier. And the shift has definitely come back to natural is better if you can do it. Some people, like, it doesn't work out. And you know what? That's what formula is there for. It's a backup plan just in case that doesn't pan out. And that's fine. Like, but the more supportive people can be of it, the better off, you know, like, the people who do want to do it will be. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> it's, there's so much. There's, it's really unfortunate that there are so many politics involved with it. But... I don't know. If you can make it work, great. Mm -hmm. Do it. It's great for the kid. If you can't make it work, that's okay, too. They're going to be okay. They're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. So that, that's my soapbox about breastfeeding. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's weird that it's that's something that people have been doing for a very, very long time. Um, have Very long time. Like, it, it is, as you say, a political issue. It's just like... Our species got to this point because people breastfed their babies and well, and other people's babies and some yeah. cultures, you know, for mm -hmm. for a very long time. And now all of a sudden it's like this, this complex thing to arrange in your life. If you social know. taboo. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, like so many things about women's health, it, you know, I don't know why all of it is such a divisive issue. Probably because, I don't know, everybody, like we were saying before, everybody's got an opinion. Yeah. Like, you're doing it wrong. And it's like, what? No. <laughs> no, no. I'll make my own choices. Thank you. Like, I'm doing what's right for me. Yeah. I'm doing what's right for me. And, and by the way, what does it matter to you? You know? <laughs> that's, that's the big thing for me. Like, on all of these issues that we talk about on the show... For every single one, it's like, if you're not hurting another person, then why do they care? Yes. And that's what it always comes back to for me. Yep. No, I'm, I'm completely with you. Like, if, if it is not hurting someone else, what the heck does it matter to you? Yeah. Like, just let people live their lives. And yeah. be, you, you want to be happy. They want to be happy. Just leave everybody alone. Yeah, you don't have to be happy in the same place. You can reside in different corners, and that's okay. But like, why are you trying to make me miserable and institute policies on my life? Like, it just doesn't. Uh, it's bad. As, as as Buffy often says, it's not about good or evil. It's about power. Yeah. So, can we talk a little bit about um, 
why you decided to pursue a degree in computer animation because you were in the workforce and then decided to switch gears and go back to school. Why did you decide to do that? Oh, um, yeah. So I, well, I actually went to college for illustration. And when I was graduating, couldn't find work, wasn't into the idea of cold calling. Um, besides, I was, you know, I was a comic book illustrator at that point. Um, I submitted my stories a couple of times, didn't get anywhere. It's like, yeah, whatever. Um, but I ended up in, in retail actually. And I was quite happy there. Um, worked for a company called Williams Sonoma. Um, you know, I was a manager there with them for a while and was really happy until, uh, about 2010 and, things started getting a little tighter, you know, the economic situation, um, for the country wasn't all that great. Um, so everybody was in, um, austerity mode and, um, I don't know, it just became an environment where like, I wasn't happy anymore. And I'm like, well, what do I want to do? So I found, you know, a way to tie into the comic book stuff that I'd been doing for a long time. I'm like, oh, maybe I can do character design for game companies, you know, just la di da. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, I'm going to look into this. So I, I found a course that um, was kind of like an introduction to Maya, basically. And over the course of this was like an eight, eight month course. And as I was, um, as I was taking it, um, we had a whole section on animation and I found that I really kind of fell in love with it. It was like illustration. I was still telling a story. Um, I got to make the puppets dance and, and do facial, you know, facial, uh, expressions and, um, it was a lot of fun. And so that's kind of how I, how I fell into it. And it, it's really satisfying to get, um, to get an animation that works like you're sitting there going it sucks it sucks it sucks, it sucks. <laughs> and then all of a sudden um it comes together and you're like oh cool okay this works <laughs> so yeah i um i've been in love with it ever since it's great i get to make puppets dance for a living <laughs> you're like a god <laughs> i have been <made> fire <laughs> <laughs> So then how did you and Brianna meet and then go on to found Giant Space Cat? Oh, gosh. Um, we met in um, the, you know, the really awesome hub of human connection, uh, Craigslist. Oh. And. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. No, she, she, yeah. <laughs> she and Frank had put out a, uh, um, an ad was looking for a 3d expert and for whatever reason i was feeling particularly brazen that day and i was like you know what <laughs> i know more than they do so i replied to it and um i met them at a panera in brookline and we talked and um originally i was coming on to work for um for frank her her husband um helping him with like a, a comic that he was working on and Brie kind of like scuttled me away and she's like, no, we're going to start working on a game now. And I was like, um, <laughs> oh, okay. That sounds like her. 
yeah she's like no we're doing this now like all right so we started working on the the like alpha version of revolution 60 which was going to be like this top-down strategy game kind of like uh final fantasy tactics okay it was going to be sprite based so i was like cool i can handle this um and then around that time infinity blade came out and suddenly she's like, we need to have a meeting. And she sits me down and she's like, we're going to do totally 3D. And we're going to, you know, we're going to use the Unreal Engine. And it's going to be amazing. And like my eyes bugged out of my head. I was like, I don't know how to do any of what you're talking about. <laughs> and she's like, it's fine. We'll figure it out. <laughs> and yeah, from there we we started work like i said the first couple of things that we were doing were like the full motion videos and that was fine because we didn't have an engine yet or anything um or we knew we were going to use unreal but like we hadn't gotten into it we hadn't started programming or anything yet um so then uh i found out i was pregnant um it was about <laughs> a couple months you know, go on. I, I'm about to go on maternity leave. Just before I do that, we brought on a full-time engineer. So like while I was on maternity leave, um, they put together a, a first level. Um, so it was ready to go when I came back. I was like, well, that worked out great. <laughs> I mean, it's perfect. <laughs> now I have stuff, you know, like I have things to plug into. Okay, cool. Let's do this. Um, we kind of went on from there. So, um, that's so funny. Did you ever do the work with Frank? Yeah. Yeah. It, it didn't go on for very long. I think we got like one, um, one, uh, one comic done and then he started being able to do it himself or was like moved into painting and writing on his own. I'm not actually sure what happened with Elon <laughs> after all this time. He might he might still be doing it. I know it's a beloved character for him. And I, I feel like I should mention that Frank has like several Hugos. Like he's immensely oh God, talented. Yeah. Very, very talented. Their um their house is littered with um with paintings of his. Like he did um he has this one that is a Tyrannosaurus with a guitar on a tank oh, and the tank is on fire and i think the tyrannosaurus is wearing a, a minute man coat i think well why wouldn't um, it and i'm every why exactly why wouldn't it and every time i see it i'm like the guitar needs to be on fire too frank like <laughs> just for continuity you know um Nobody has like um, uh, romulan warbirds that he painted in um kind of like a, a Chinese ink, ink and brush style, wow. and it's beautiful. Like he, he's a very talented guy. Yeah, it makes me so angry. I'm like, dang it, I don't, I don't have that, and I, I want to be artistic like that, and I just, I can't draw for nothing, nothing. Eh. I mean, you're creative in other ways, though. Yeah. I mean, look at this. That's like, true. You, you find other outlets. I'm actually like halfway through writing a blog post that like I never publish my blog posts, but but I'm writing it uh, about like my best friends um, and I were talking the other day and she's getting into um, iOS programming mm -hmm. and um, 
she's like, I have this idea for an app, but I'm afraid to start it because I know I won't be any good at it. And I'm like, wait a minute, like even the best developers write bad code. Um, and, and, and some of the most prominent developers probably write bad code all the time. And, um, I think the theme of my life in the last few weeks has been just get started and you will get better. Like if I, if I were to try to sit down and draw, it would be really, really awful right now, but eventually I'd get better. Maybe never great. Yeah, no, I was saying that to a friend of mine today. Like my philosophy for the last year has just been start somewhere because it, like I was trying to learn, um, I am still trying to learn motion graphics, which is just going to be like another way for me to animate. Um, you do it through After Effects. Um, I've been trying to get better with vector graphics and it feels like this hill that I'm never going to be able to climb. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just because like I'm at the bottom still and, you know, I haven't begun to do it yet. Like I'm t- very, very, like I've taken a few steps towards it and it feels insurmountable. But I mean, I went through this with, um, with the Maya and, um, with animation with, it seems like this huge task and then i don't know there comes a point while you're while you're digging into it you're like oh wait no i can do this all right this is fine (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's just the fact that it's a big question mark i guess Mm -hmm. that you know makes it feel so hard Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah like once you get into it 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 becomes steadily less hard and you look back five years later and go oh wow I've come a really really long way and even the things you're good at like you were talking about you did the introductory sequence for Revolution 60 and you look back at it a couple years later and you're like what was I thinking you know and in what was that (laughs) yeah like you you just continue to grow and learn and do better and like that's all you can do in life yeah yeah the the key thing with looking back like that though is not to get um not to get too george lucas on it (laughs) sorry george but revision um, yeah Hmm. yeah the revisionist history like you it's okay to look back and maybe tweak a thing or two but like you can get so caught up in redoing everything and then you're not not learning you 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 almost need to close the chapter on like that particular you know close the book on that and and keep going forward because otherwise you just gotta spin your wheel like you could edit forever um and and that is a risk when you're doing things by yourself too Mm -hmm. by the way like if you're left to your own devices you don't have anybody to answer to you can get stuck in noodling for eons and eons and eons until it's like absolutely perfect and the problem is the enemy of done is perfect <laughs> like yeah it, you it's... can be done and go on to the next thing or you know you can edit forever it's it's you know dangerous <laughs> yeah yeah you're just stuck in this loop where you're working on the same thing all the time yeah that was definitely something i picked up in college though when we would do paintings um the, one of the good things would be like putting it down Thursday afternoon and coming back, you know, the following Monday and you've had days away from it and you can see suddenly 
all the mistakes that that you were glossing over before. So that's helpful getting some distance too. Yeah, I know that's something that a lot of writers employ is they'll, you know, I don't know, write longhand or not, stick it in a drawer, give it a couple of weeks and then pull it out again. And then they're like, oh, my gosh, you know, this the sticky plot point is suddenly, you know, like I know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Distance is definitely good. So when Revolution 60 dropped is actually about the time I started this podcast Mm -hmm. and Brianna was my first guest and we talked about it a little bit, Um, you know, and we discussed the costumes a little bit. But after, I I guess, like distance and um, consideration, y'all decided to um, change the costumes and make them more armory and less kind of spandexy than they were. Yeah. So what kind and I know the answer is huge, but like what kind of undertaking is that to change all of the costumes for all of the characters of which there are like, I don't know, half a dozen? There are four characters. Well, four main characters. Okay. Um and we had shortly before release, we had redone one already. Um but yeah, like after after marinating in it for a year, um, a lot of people gave us the criticism about the um, about the costumes, and like we'd heard it a couple of times with talks before. Um, and the weird thing is, like I was so entrenched. I like I'd been staring at them for years, mm-hmm. but like it didn't register with me at all anymore. Um, but we did you know, after, after a while we did make the call that like, maybe we should change some of the body proportions. We couldn't change a lot because of clipping. Mm -hmm. Um, and where, you know, we couldn't change where bones were placed. We couldn't really change the rig without redoing the entire game. Um, and you know, it took me so long to do it the first time. I had no interest in redoing everything again. Um, so, you know, we, we did what we could. Obviously, um, when it comes time to do a sequel or a follow-up game, we're going to have the opportunity to have a clean slate and we can do what we want with them. We can make them um, shorter, larger, people of color. You know, like we're going to have more of an opportunity to change some stuff. But, you know, we wanted to make a small effort at least, you know, doing that whole start somewhere mm-hmm. thing I was talking about before. We're, you know, it's a, it's a good faith effort at least. Um, so yeah, we, we thickened their waists a little bit. Um, we adjusted areas that were, that we could, um, we added some armor to make her make holiday and unknown feel a little more tactical, um, a little more befitting of somebody who's in a military organization, you know, and would need to be in combat, would need padding in certain places, that kind of a thing, protect your vitals. Um, and so the undertaking itself was, um, you know, a lot of back and forth between Bri and I over like what aesthetically was pleasing on a costume versus like, does this make sense? Um, and you know, then I set about, you know, reconstructing them myself, which was actually quite a lot of fun. 
Um, I don't get to do 3D modeling very often, so that was that was fun to dive back into. Um, yeah, so I took care of that, and then we passed it off to our technical artist who um, put it back together <laughs> after after I tore her apart. She put her back together and re-rigged her, and, um, and everything works nicely. I'm like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> But it was, you know, it was a couple of months of, of work. You know, each character took me, um, took me a long time. And then it was like making sure everything matched up again, mm. um, that was positioned correctly so that like, again, the joints wouldn't need to move. Like, so um, there were, there were differences between the models that I, uh, that I had forgotten about that unknown was just a little bit shorter than, um, than Holiday. So that was that was fun lining up all the verts again oh. by hand. I'm sure there are scripts that smart people write. I just I was like, I'm just going to do this by hand because I can because <laughs> I need to. Well, there, I, I for me, I would imagine there'd be like that element of perfectionism. Like a script can't do this, you know, as well as I can. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But that's how I would be. Yeah. I mean, it can get you most of the way there. And then I think there is a little bit of like hand placement that probably like a little finessing that probably has to happen still. Um, unless you're like programmer extraordinaire and who can eliminate, eliminate all that. But I think, you know, there needs to be some human inter- intervention. Yeah. So are you happy with the results? Are you like, are you glad that you took a couple of months to be able to do this or you know would you have rather left it um actually yeah i am happy that we did it because i have to say like i plugged her into um plugged her into the game like we have the low poly version of the new holiday model and i was working on uh, reworking one scene and i'm looking at her going i can't believe i ever thought the other way was right like it just feels so much more um I don't know. She feels more proportioned. I'm sure there are still people out there who'd be like, well, she's still a Barbie doll. But I mean, she doesn't look like you can snap her in half anymore. Yeah. Um, but also like it, she just looks badass. She looks like she is an assassin. Like she owns it a little bit more. She looks cool. I, I'm happy with it. Like in general, I, I think I'm much happier with how it turned out. Yay. Yeah. So um, you've got Cupcake Crisis. You've been working on Revolution 60. Um, I know um, Anna McGill um, at some point will be able to come on and do a project they're calling Project Untold. Um, Are there other things in the works for Giant Space Cat? I know you might not be able to talk about it like specifically, but do you have big plans? Yes. Yes, big plans on the horizon of which I cannot get into specifics. <laughs> yeah. But definitely there is future plans and, and we're excited about them. So, um, you know, look out for, for big things from us. I'm excited to see what Pro- Project Untold turns out to be because, like, I know the basics of, like, a, a storytelling platform, an interactive, you know, thing um but it's all really vague and hand wavy and um i anna mcgill is one of my favorite people um she's extremely talented and you know i know 
you know, you and Brianna and it's just going to be neat. So I'm really excited to <laughs> once once you can take forward steps with that. That's the thing that I, I know about that I'm looking forward to. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, Anna is one of those she's one of those people that um, is just super passionate about what she's doing. And when you have somebody that's super passionate about what they're doing, that comes through. Um, so we're, you know, we're excited to get that off the ground at some point, you know, in the, in the big hand wavy feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. But yeah, we're, we're excited to work with her. So Amanda, how can people find you online? They can find me at uh, animator mommy on Twitter and um, you can see revolution 60. We it's still for sale on iTunes. Um, that version will be on sale for a little bit longer and then uh, we will be coming out with a special edition pretty soon um, followed quickly by PC hopefully in the next couple of months um, and you can read all about it at uh, revolution60.com and you can find the show on Twitter at less than or equal if you have feedback suggestions for guests or would like to be a guest please go to less than or equal.com and fill out the contact form um, if you have a few minutes, it would be wonderful if you'd leave a review or star rating on iTunes. And don't forget to tell people about the show. That's the best, most reliable way that people find Less Than or Equal is word of, word of mouth. Thanks for listening. Until next time on an internet near you, I'm Aline Sims for Less Than or Equal.